Hello and welcome to the inaugural large language model, multimodal AI state of the union. I am your president, Baxter Future. In this presentation, I hope to walk you through the significant events we've seen in this space up until this point. I'm going to be talking about the implications, what are the main takeaways uh, from the perspective of a user, developer, business leader. I'm also going to be talking about what all of this could mean for the future. I'll have some brief, brief predictions towards the end. Um, I don't think I need to spend a lot of time on this. You all know who I am. I run a YouTube channel, podcast, I got a newsletter. I have been covering this space since 2020. I have covered every major OpenAI announcement since 2020, including the original GPT-3, Codex, Dolly 1, Instruct GPT, and most recently, Dolly 2. Uh, one thing that's pretty interesting and cool and something that I'm really proud of about my YouTube channel, uh, I mainly target the users of of language models like GPT-3 or multimodal models like Dolly, uh, or maybe the, the people developing on top of these AI models. Uh, this is something unique because if you compare me to perhaps to like uh, other uh, machine learning or AI YouTubers, yes, AI YouTube is a real thing. They mainly actually target the researchers, people who are researching the AI, who maybe work in the industry. Uh, I'm kind of different in the way that I believe this group of people is really important and only gonna grow. And so that's why I've been covering this space since 2020. I spent a lot of time talking about OpenAI and covering OpenAI products, but I just, I really quickly want to disclose, I have no affiliation, nor do I represent OpenAI. Um, and, you know, I think people assume as well that I have some inside information. I do not have any inside information from that company. Honestly, even the stuff that they publicly do and publicly announce has kept me busy since 2020. Uh, and so I don't even really need to go off of any inside information either. This stuff alone has kept me busy enough. Uh, I don't think I need to go through this notable work. Uh, this is, uh, so both of these books, the book on the left on GPT-3, I was a technical reviewer. The book on the right, I was interviewed. And uh, the reason I'm actually sharing it is I encourage you to, to pick up a copy of both of these books. The, the one on the right just dropped a month or two ago. Uh, it was written by Sandra, who's also a, a you know YouTube creator. She's been making videos about GPT-3 as well for many years now. I encourage you all to pick up a copy. Uh, my claim to fame, uh, I made a series called GPT-X, Dolly, and Our Multimodal Future. Uh, it was basically all about what does something like GPT-3 and multimodal models like Dolly, uh, what do they mean for the future of human creativity? In this series, I talked about, you know, uh, different creative lessons for creatives of the future. I talked about some of the philosophical questions. I talk how to make money, uh, all these crazy questions. Uh, and I made this series last year before Dolly 2 even came out. Um, and before I had even tried Dolly 1. Uh, and so it's also crazy, uh, not just as the person who made this series, but it's also crazy for me to watch this series uh, post Dolly and to see a lot of these things that I outlined, predicted, or things that I was excited about. It's, it's just crazy to see them happening now in real life. I definitely encourage you to check out my series. Uh, and so anyways, just some background info. We'll go through these slides very quickly. So what is GPT-3? GPT-3 is a state-of-the-art language model by a company called OpenAI. Most of the time when people are talking about, G about GPT-3, they're talking about a specific engine called DaVinci, uh, which has 175 billion parameters. You interact with GPT-3 by giving it a prompt accessed through the OpenAI playground. What is a prompt? A prompt is basically writing and you put that writing into that big text box you see on the left. Uh, and so you'll enter the prompt and you'll get back 
something called a completion, which is the model basically uh, filling in or predicting what's next based on the writing that you gave it. Uh, GPT-3 is useful for a multitude of things, whether it's answering questions, generating copy, filling out emails, brainstorming, escaping writer's block, ideation, summarizing content, translation, and so much more. Uh, I think one thing that people often get wrong about GPT-3, uh, it's important to realize we don't know all the things it can do. I don't know, you don't know, OpenAI doesn't know, and so part of the fun of GPT-3 and the OpenAI beta, OpenAI Playground, uh, is it's it's our job to find the use cases, uh, and you know once you find one that nobody has ever thought of before, it's actually quite fun and rewarding, and people like me get really excited uh, to see all the different things that GPT-3 can do. Uh, uh, Dolly 2, so what is Dolly 2? You could basically think of it as like GPT-3, but for images. <laughs> So, I mean, it's really, this one is even simpler to understand. You literally type in text, you wait about 20 seconds, and it generates an entire image based on that text. Uh, every image it generates is unique, has never been seen before, um, and was literally uh, imagined by the AI. Pretty crazy to think about. Let's jump to the first major development of this year, uh, Instruct GPT. Uh, this was a OpenAI research paper. Also, I guess you could call it like a product or more so like an AI model refinement. It is specifically a reinforcement learning with human feedback on top of GPT-3 DaVinci. And it's meant to align completions better with the needs of GPT-3 developers. So let me explain this a little bit. So uh, nowadays when you're using GPT-3 DaVinci for the most part, um, it's still the same GPT-3. The only difference is it's had this reinforcement learning with human feedback process on top of it. And so as a result, through Instruct GPT, uh, you're more likely to like uh, find that GPT-3 is a lot more usable, uh, faster to use, you know, you should get better completions, better answers, which are coherent, make sense, hopefully not offensive, uh, all these different benefits. It should be a lot better now. And it's through Instruct, Instruct GPT. Uh, one crazy side effect, I had an article about you know, does Instruct GPT over time, will it mean the end of prompt design? One interesting side effect since this post Instruct GPT world, I'm finding myself write a lot less prompts. Uh, I'm giving fewer examples. And as a result, like I'm just using uh, Instruct GPT a lot more. Uh, Instruct GPT has led to more coherent, crisp and safer responses. Uh, I've highlighted this, uh, this point at the bottom, this may be the most important line in this presentation. Uh, in human evaluations on our prompt distribution, outputs from the 1.3 billion parameter Instruct GPT model are preferred to outputs from the 175 billion GPT-3, despite having 100x fewer parameters. This line is directly from the abstract of the Instruct GPT paper. Um, and I think, I think it's very, very important. What it's basically saying is uh, a smaller model, 100 times smaller, uh, which has this Instruct GPT process on top of it, uh, to the end users, they preferred that <laughs> over the 175 billion parameter version. Uh, and so I'm going to talk more in detail, like, you know, uh, towards the end of this section on why that this is so significant. But I, I just think it, it says a lot about just the perceptions of the end users uh, and their goals. Um, you know, uh, you can get a lot more through this Instruct GPT process out of smaller models. Uh, perceptually to these users. 
Uh, so for me, what I'm finding uh, since Instruct GPT, I'm not only using Instruct GPT a lot more. One of the crazy things is I'm finding myself using Instruct GPT, believe it or not, as a Google alternative. So on the left, you will see I asked Google, what are some ways to create sparse neural networks? And what were the kinds of results Google gave back to me? Um, basically, web pages which had the keywords sparse neural networks, basically. Uh, on the right, you'll see what InstructGPT gave back to me. Uh, it's given me a, a few points there which are coherent, uh, hopefully accurate, <laughs> uh, well summarized, crisp. Uh, and notice I didn't see any ads. I didn't have to like click all these pages and try to synthesize that information in my in my head. <clears throat> InstructGPT has done it for me. Uh, one other thing that's pretty cool is uh, on the third screenshot, you'll see I asked a follow-up question. So uh, what are some underexplored ways to create sparse neural networks? And so uh, this is something you you definitely can't do on Google. <laughs> right is it it you know when it you know when it doesn't even answer your first question fully like precisely based on the kind of answer you're looking for good luck asking a, a follow-up question on top of that right like i could ask what are so i asked what are some underexplored ways a follow-up question to this could even be how come nobody's doing it right and so these are the kinds of things that you can do with instruct gpt um that you know i just find so uh valuable and helpful there's some caveats here so you know, GPT-3 can still potentially make up information. You still have to, you know, cross-reference different things that instruct GPT says uh, with Google at the end of the day, which kind of defeats the purpose, I know. Um, and you kind of have to think adversarially and think critically with whatever it says. But I'm finding it's incredibly, incredibly valuable. And I wouldn't have thought by, you know, 2022 we're at this point, but here we are. Uh, at the bottom right, you'll see Instruct GPT is greater than Google search. This is a very clickbaity article, but I did explore this topic of using Instruct GPT as a search engine a lot deeper. Uh, and by the way, OpenAI is working on a research paper. It's, a, it's an initiative called WebGPT, uh, which sort of, I think, is kind of like branched off this idea of, you know, it's basically, it's kind of like, a, it's a language model which also searches on the web uh, using Bing and then summarizes and does citations as well. <laughs> and so this is a very exciting exciting direction and use case for InstructGPT. So what are the takeaways of, of development number one, InstructGPT? Well, I, I think I think the point of the paper is it's, it's not just about parameters, right? Like uh, clearly the, the underlying needs of GPT-3 developers and GPT-3 users and prompt design, their needs and perceptions matter too. Uh, and in some ways, I, I think, you know, maybe the paper is arguing that uh, these things are maybe maybe they're more important, right? Like the perceptual, how the end user perceptually values them is, is also like very valuable. And, you know, clearly there's a difference between upstream tasks like, you know, uh, training performance and perplexity and downstream tasks, right? There's there's differences between what we want at, at both of those stages. So, um <clears throat> on top of that, like I, I one one of my takeaways from Instruct GPT is, in fact, we can make language models safer and more usable. Uh, this is something Instruct GPT like developments and improvements were things that I thought were like a year or two away, <laughs> uh, and you know here we are. Uh, and so it's 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 exciting because it also uh, shows a shows a direction and adds validation that wasn't there before. 
Uh, another interesting thing about Instruct GPT, it shows the knowledge was always always within the network. Uh, it's it's like the it's like the model just you know needed the reinforcement learning with human feedback. Uh, you know, it just needed that alignment differently, right? Um, but it was always there. So I mean, it begs the research question: uh, what what other kinds of knowledge are inside of a GPT three model? Uh, you know, what what other things does it know or say or you know what else is it capable of answering? That, that we simply haven't been able to surface yet uh, because we're, we're not applying the right processes. You know, is there a certain magic to language models that we still don't understand? Um, and then finally, like, you know, I just want to say, like, I, I think InstructGPT is highly underrated even now, even though it's been a few months it's been out. Uh, if you've been on the fringes with GPT-3, I said this before, I think it's time to come back. I think it's, I think it's time to give GPT-3 a spin. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by all the different things it can do, uh, how cohesive it is, safe, usable. You don't really need to know prompt design anymore. It's a whole new world. Uh, uh, the second major development this year, I'm sure you've all heard about it, was the release of Dolly 2. On the left, you'll see one of my earliest Dolly 2 prompts. I entered an expressive children's book illustration of a cat playing with an earth-shaped ball trending on ArtStation. Um, you know, this is so, again, I entered this text at the bottom, I pushed a button, I waited 20 seconds, and that image is what Dolly generated for me. Uh, it's still crazy to think about that this technology exists. In the middle, you'll see one of my favorites. So this is a hot dog in the style of a Renaissance painting. Uh, fun, fun story. Somebody on Twitter actually painted this in real life, uh, and they did a great job. It was really rewarding and fun to see. Uh, on the right, you'll see Iron Man Sushi was the prompt, um, and it generated that. Uh, you know, this is just to show Dolly's photorealistic capabilities and its sort of ability to help you see things perhaps that you haven't seen before, things that you haven't seen before in the real world. Imagine them. Um, I made a lot of videos on Dolly too uh, when it first came out. At one point, I was uploading daily. Uh, one area that I, you know, really spearheaded in the community was using Dolly for industrial product design. And so these three uh, examples here are basically pencil sharpeners in the style of Keith Haring. Uh, he was an American artist, very influential in the '90s. Uh, you know, he had a huge impact, and of course, it's it's very exciting to see his artwork and style live on through AI models like Dolly 2. Uh, I, you know, I took a lot of common objects. So this is, you know, different uh, surgical face masks in the style of Frank Gehry. Uh, very interesting designs, you know, Dolly, it, with Dolly, you could just iterate on stuff so quickly and just test out ideas. You know, you're literally talking like 20 seconds. Uh, these kinds of things, you know, iterating at this speed would, would basically have just been impossible before this year. Uh, and so I, you know, I'm really proud of a, a lot of the, the Dolly videos that I made this year. Uh, I had some fun with Dolly too. So on the left, you will see photo of an athlete cat explaining its latest scandal at a press conference to journalists. You can see the look of determination in his face to defend his reputation and beat the allegations. Uh, on the right, you'll see a photo of a confused grizzly bear in calculus class. Um, <clears throat> this was one of my more notable uh, Dolly prompts. It went super viral. Uh, and, and fun fact, uh, I believe, so Google launched two sort of Dolly alternatives. Uh, one was called Imogen. The other one was called Party, I believe. Um, and so they used this prompt 
uh, in their research papers, which I thought was was pretty cool and also pretty funny. Uh, you know, I like to think maybe there's a there's a poor Google researcher or engineer uh, who had to like you know try to optimize for confused grizzly bear performance. <laughs> and for me, I would find it incredibly entertaining. Uh, if, you know, the confused grizzly bear became some kind of technical benchmark or something of that sort, uh, it'd be very, very, very entertaining for me. Uh, but anyways, it was just a delight to see. Uh, and like, like I said, Dolly 2 is incredibly, incredibly fun and, and often does have these very meme-like qualities. <clears throat> so what's the takeaway of Dolly 2? I, you know, I think it, it represents, you know, creative spirit and excitement. I, you know, the communities behind these things are are rabid. Uh, they're passionate. Um, and there was so much hype even before the release of Dolly 2. Um, and so I think it represents human human creativity in, in a very unique and beautiful way. A lot of Dolly 2 images went super viral this year. Um, you know, I think Dolly enables a new form of artistic and self-expression. I think, I think it enables a new era of product design, which will start to maybe increase our GDP. We'll have new kinds of goods and services, which weren't possible before, thanks to Dolly. And there are a multitude of commercial applications for Dolly 2, everything from logo design, slides, concept discovery, concept design, concept art, you know, assets and texture packs. I've used it to generate icons. And of course, supporting all creative industries, in my view, you know, every what like graphic designer, game studio, music studio, uh, design house, fashion, whatever, photography, you name it, uh, every design department in the world, you know, maybe every school, I think they will all uh, uh, depend on Dolly, uh, or at least use it as, as a part of their repertoire uh, on the regular. And so it is it's a huge, huge creative uh, industrial movement as well. Uh, I'm not gonna spend too much time on it, but, uh, you know, I, I think we've seen, uh, increased growth of GitHub Copilot. So what is GitHub Copilot? Uh, it's basically, uh, it helps you write code. It's kind of like GPT-3 for code. Uh, so far I've talked about GPT-3, <laughs> GPT-3 for images, <laughs> Dolly, and then like, you know, like code GPT-3, which is GitHub Copilot. Uh, and, um, you know, this is uh, this is an amazing product. I've been using it from day one. It's exemplary. Um, I, you know, I think uh, it saves me a lot of time, anywhere from two to ten percent of my time. Um, and by my understanding, it's it's just been it's just been growing. Um, and uh, in July, actually, they announced this year that it's generally available to all developers. So you don't need to join a waitlist anymore. You can just sign up and use it. Um, and you know, uh, some of their numbers, uh, at one point they claimed, uh, for teams that were using GitHub Copilot, uh, 30% of the code, which was written was already written by GitHub Copilot. Now I believe in the last two weeks or so GitHub has released an additional study or, or a blog post detailing, uh, these numbers and, you know, like genuinely studying the impacts of code completion. I encourage you to check it out. But yeah, this is just another key development to keep your eye on. Uh, what are the takeaways of this? Um, I, you know, I, I think we're seeing the acceleration of coding itself. I think we're seeing a new kind of uh, developer productivity. I mean, look, I wouldn't be surprised if an updated version of Codex is coming soon. And, you know, if, if the previous version for me was saving 2 to 10% of writing code, what will the next ver how much will the next version write? Are we talking 30%, 50%? How will this change code and code dynamics? It's just crazy to think about. Um, 
in, in my view, both Dolly 2 and GitHub Copilot serve as, you know, potential customers for large language models like GPT-3. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people hear about Dolly 2 first uh, and then check out GPT-3. Likewise with GitHub Copilot. Uh, finally, I think GitHub Copilot is an obvious recruitment and developer experience perk. I think it makes absolute sense for every, you know, uh, any team writing code in the world <laughs> to just offer GitHub Copilot access to developers who want it. It seems to me like a no-brainer. Uh, if you want to make your developers at least 2 to 10% effective, probably more, if you want to save them that much time and stuff, uh, you should give them access to GitHub Copilot and, and, and sign up. Um, and so anyways, those are the takeaways for GitHub Copilot. <clears throat> uh, and then development number four, uh, was stable diffusion. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not gonna be. Uh, I'm not gonna be spending time on on this here today. Uh, we, we'll we'll skip this part too. Uh, anyway, so then development number five. That's right. <laughs> We're gonna move on to development number five. Um, uh, so there's you know been a lot of talk you know in you know in between like the research user uh, different different key figures in the AI community, um, and so. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the debates that that was ongoing, uh, I'd say, in summer 2022, was was just this idea of scale maximalism. Uh, and so, this this meme on the left sort of uh, summarizes different people's uh, positions on on both scale as well as uh, AI alignment or AGI good, AGI bad. Um, and so, some people uh, believe. It, uh, in the space, one of the debates that was going on, uh, that simply by scaling up existing architectures to beyond 175 billion, maybe 500 billion trillion parameter scale, um, that that's basically all you need. Like you don't really need to do anything more than that. Um, and a lot of the classic AI problems will be solved simply by scaling up the existing models. Um, uh, wh what does this mean? I mean, I, I think it's, it's just interesting that we're having these kinds of debates now. Um, I think it's a fun cultural tidbit. It's nice that we have, you know, different philosophical viewpoints. Um, and I actually just think uh, it's fun that we have memes now, right? Like this is such a specific, obscure uh, topic. It's, a, you know, the, the scaling laws. I encourage you to check out the OpenAI scaling law papers. Uh, it's just crazy we got memes about it now, basically, right? And, and where different people land. Uh, what have I been up to this summer? So I, you know, I dropped an article on uh, recombinant art. It's this term I'm using to describe the style of art uh, generated by AI models like Dolly 2. On the right, that meme-like iceberg. Uh, this is another article I published this summer on the multimodal content iceberg. Uh, this is me trying to categorize the different kinds of Dolly 2 art I was seeing at the time. Uh, at the bottom, I so I launched a survey in June where I wanted to study uh, how people might uh, edit uh, Dolly 2 generated images with natural language. And I shared everything. I shared my findings. I shared the raw response data, quantitative data. I encourage you to check out that article. Uh, I learned a lot uh, about the kinds of natural language editing capabilities people will expect in the future. Uh, based on that survey, uh, at the bottom, you'll see uh, a, a private data set I have called Doll Edit, well, I, which I will be open sourcing shortly. I'm, I'm really excited about the data set. I must have spent like a month and a half on it and spent a fair amount of money 
Uh, on the right, uh, you will see a YouTube thumbnail uh, that says TMZ. What's that about? Uh, basically, that series that I spent last summer talking about, I'm going to be releasing part two. And so this YouTube thumbnail was basically like I sort of leaked my own series for a little bit just to get feedback. And so that's that's where that thumbnail comes from. Uh, very quickly, you know what? I might as well tease the series very quickly. So this is a feature I called Magic Text. Um, I'm going to just briefly talk about it. This is, again, like a sample of what's to come in the series. So if you see that icon at the top left, that's supposed to be the Magic Text button. Uh, and the idea is you'll click on it. Uh, inside the canvas, you'll like draw the outline of your text box. You will enter in the text and hit enter, and that's it. <laughs> um, and what will happen is the AI model will either pick a font with a color and style for you, or it will generate a custom font for you that integrates perfectly into the image itself. And so you'll you see the word freedom there. Like that's like that's like a custom font, right? Like and it's styled perfectly. It integrates so well into the image you're looking at. Uh, GPTX Dolly in our multimodal future part two will be focused specifically on um, the the tool set. Like what what will a future version of Dolly look like? What could it be capable of? What kinds of things do I want to see? And so magic text is is a feature that I came up with um, that uh, that that I actually would love to see. And underneath magic text, there's two text icons there, right? Uh, that second one, I don't have a name for it yet, but the idea of this one is in this one, you would just draw the text box and not even enter the text. Like it will it will like maybe talk to something like GPT three and even come up with the text for you and and write that copy for you on the spot. So you you won't even need to do that part anymore either. Uh, anyways, uh, this series actually is, 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 is dropping pretty soon. I wouldn't be surprised in the next few days or so. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Make sure you got that bell icon going. Uh, it's dropping soon. I'm really excited. Uh, so now we're gonna be talking about my end of year predictions. Um, I think a lot of AI art will just continue to go viral. Um, all, you know, hundreds of millions, maybe billions of people on this planet will be exposed to AI generated images. This is just a lot of eyeballs, which are going to be looking at our space, learning about our space, hearing about it for the first time. There's a reality where, you know, a significant fraction of all total generated images on the internet could be generated by AI, which is a very interesting and scary thing to think about. Uh, I think we'll see a mass awareness of multimodal AI models and large language models like GPT-3. And of course, along with those AI images comes the safety risks as well. Uh, I, 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 my second point I wrote, you know, Dolly 2, Stable Diffusion, GitHub Copilot. I think these things will drive people to large language models like GPT-3. I didn't, I didn't cover this in my slide, but uh, uh, two other research papers that I think are significant are uh, the DeepMind Gatto as well as the Big Bench papers. I encourage you to check it out. In my opinion, these are two, you know, it's sort of like a branched off direction based on the stuff that I talked about. Um, <clears throat> on one hand, you have things like GPT-3 and Dolly. On the other hand, you have these task-based models, which are also very interesting. I think the idea here is... Uh, let's take the existing stuff we have now, but train it on potentially hundreds, thousands of tasks, maybe more. And as a result of this massive uh, task generalization, perhaps we could get to artificial intelligence, artificial general intelligence or something of that sort. Uh, I didn't get much time to cover it, but I, I do think this stuff is also very significant. 
Um, uh, I think we'll see uh, things like GPT-3 go grow 5x. I mean, don't quote me on that. I can't quite pinpoint where that number comes from, but I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, I actually think it's a conservative estimate. Uh, it does come from somewhere, but I'm not going to be talking too much about where I got that 5x from, uh, but I, I don't think it's that crazy at this point to say GPT-3 is probably going to grow a lot more. I, I wrote a whole article predicting that 2022 will be the year that GPT-3 will grow on college campuses. I encourage you to check it out. Uh, I put GPT-4 here as an end-of-year prediction. Uh, again, I don't have any inside information, but I, I mean, I do think it's about time. GPT-3 is like, what, two years old, maybe more by now. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot has changed and a lot more is possible now. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think uh, I think it could be really exciting. And then finally, I put Dolly for music and video stuff on the margins. I would have been, you know, I was crazy last year for suggesting that music and video is going to be coming. Uh, but I think now, based on, you know, the images you're seeing, being able to generate music or videos with text also is, you know, I think this year we're going to see that stuff on the margins. We're going to continue seeing that. And probably next year, we'll start seeing some significant announcements in, in this creative area as well. Um... What am I currently reading about? Uh, so on the left, you'll see the student's guide to cognitive neuroscience. I'm, I, you know, I've started to study a lot of these things from first principles. Maybe I, I do want a little bit transition to doing some research myself, uh, meaningful research in the AI space. So I've been brushing up on that. Uh, what to expect when no one's expecting. That's that book in the middle. Uh, because of Elon's tweets, as well as other discussions going on right now on Twitter, um, I have been very interested in this idea of population. It's very counterintuitive. Um, and of course, you know, it's it's a very uh, interesting, controversial topic, which is also very wide ranging. Um, but yeah, I do encourage you to, to check out this book. It seems to me like a very significant, relevant topic for this decade. Uh, the book on the right, The Future of Fusion Energy, uh, this is something that is is new for me that I'm learning for the first time. The good part about this book is it uh, it is is, is uh, very crisply written. It's very digestible. Um, and fusion energy, uh, you know, is, is actually something that is relevant to our space. OpenAI CEO Sam Altman has tweeted that not only has he invested in fusion energy companies, but also... Um, you know, he's, he's, he was helping one of them recruit because he believes they'll be ready to commercialize by as, as early as 2024 or 2025. And so obviously something like fusion energy has significant implications for our space, um, at a basic level, uh, cheaper energy will allow us to, uh, maybe train things a lot cheaper as well as the cost to host these models, like things like inference, those could also go down, especially when you're trying to generate movies or something, which are four hours long, and everyone in the world wants to be able to do that. Uh, something like Fusion Energy could help us get AI models in the hands of everybody. Uh, so anyways, what's my conclusion? Uh, I guess uh, I guess this presentation has just all been about how much the space has accelerated like crazy. The year is not even over yet. And at the same time, it feels to me like we're only at the beginning of this space. We're just scratching the surface. Uh, like, look, I can I can barely keep up with everything going on in the space. I'm constantly on Twitter. I have all these automated feeds, all these automated ways I get notified when stuff happens. 
Uh, like I'm, I'm barely staying afloat. Uh, the space has never, ever been this crazy. It's also growing like crazy. Uh, anyway, so that's the end of my presentation. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to the 2022 Sept September 2022 State of the Union. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun to take some questions in the YouTube comments. I'll try to answer as many as possible. I'm happy to talk about everything that I've covered in these slides uh, and also any of these topics I've listed here, which I didn't get to cover. Uh, regardless, make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you like this video. Uh, it goes a long way. I want to thank you so much for tuning in and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.